0: So, you're golfing again with your little buddies this week?
1: (laughs) Thank you for paying such close attention to my leisure life, but yes, I have a lot going on through the week. So, you know, every once in a while to hang out with the guys and and go golfing, I think is just fine. Thank you.
0: So, do I get five hours a week to go with my friends without kids, the beautiful, quiet outdoors?
1: If you did, I would totally support that. Hmm. Um, Chicken tonight, huh?
0: Seriously? So you're gonna go to the store for me now and cook and do all the meal planning? That'd be great.
1: That doesn't seem that much harder to put, I don't know, tri-tip in a cart as opposed to chicken in a cart, just kind of the same motion. I
0: didn't realize the king had such high demands for what he eats every night. Hmm. So that fence, I think it's been broken four months now. Are you gonna get to that anytime soon?
1: Well, um, I've been doing a lot of other things that you've told me to do. That uh, you know, bedroom addition and painting the entire house and selling all that stuff you wanted sold. So yeah, been a little busy with your list.
0: So everything's sold and the bedroom edition is done?
1: You're right. I'll, just, I'll, I'll stop everything I'm doing and focus only on your precious fence, and I'm sure that will make you entirely happy, right, in, in every way. Hmm. So uh, maybe you can take on some more responsibilities at work, put in a few more hours, you know, contribute a little more financially around the house.
0: All right, so then that means you'll be helping around the house more, doing more cleaning, yard work, helping around, you know, helping everything I do around the house. You'll be Um, telling me you're gonna jump in and, and just do it all?
1: Maybe I'll just tell the board, you know, I'm going down to three days a week. I'm sure they'll be thrilled with that. They'll be so happy.
0: All right, so I'll just tell the kids, mom and dad just aren't gonna be around ever. So your truck, it's disgusting.
1: There's a reason why the world calls it my truck, don't you think?
0: (laughs) But your truck has about 14, 16 of our cups in it.
1: All right, so I'll just spend the afternoon cleaning my truck, uh, bringing the cups in, but you can pretty well guarantee that fence is not gonna get done. Hmm. So how much money did you spend this morning?
0: Sorry that I had to go buy our children's shoes that they needed.
1: Well, we've got three kids in college, a wedding coming up, and uh, I just didn't think we needed that much stuff.
0: Then I guess I'll just get some duct tape and we can just tape the holes on their shoes. That work for you? Hmm. So do you remember anything that's important to me?
1: If I were to be honest, I don't remember what we're talking about right now at this very moment. So,
0: Just seems like you always want to talk about things that are important to you. Did and I tell you I
1: shot 74 in golf yesterday? It was so everything was on, just dialed in. It's so cool. Anyway, this is a little, bit, <laughs> <laughs> a little bit of our life. Thank you, Jenny. I appreciate it very much. Uh, Just so you know, this is not fiction. (laughs) This this wrote itself. We didn't have to do any work on it. But uh, in all seriousness, I absolutely cherish you as my wife and and the mother of our children. You are an amazing mom. You have spent the last 21 years uh, raising our kids with full attention and focus. Um, You have worked very hard at at home and, and at work. Um, to, to raise these kids and to help provide for these kids, and um, they are who they are today in large part because of the effort and attention that you put into their lives. Uh, you're a model to them, and uh, they look up to you. They come to you for everything. It, it's an amazing thing. Uh, you're also an incred- incredible wife. I wouldn't want anything else uh, in, in a wife. You have been a great mother, but you haven't put me in the back seat. Um, you, through your words and through, through what you do, you care for me in every way, and I appreciate it. Uh, we've been partnering in ministry for almost 30 years now, first volunteers here at Rancho in the youth group, and then all the way to today, and, and the joy of this ministry is to partner with you in it. You're my best friend, and I love you very much. That's very sweet. <laughs> you know, I love you very much, too, and you
0: also are my best friend. You, um, you just helped me to see uh, the less serious side of life, which is great. You always have made me laugh. Um. You know, and just have brought a lot of joy into our home. You are an incredible dad to our kids as well. I'm not, you give me a lot of credit, but it's you as well. You're a very wise person, very wise man. You're also very humble. You, um, you give so much to help so many people in our community, yet you still are very present for the kids and I, which is awesome and I appreciate that and love you.
1: Thank you very much. You are so correct in so many <laughs> of those <laughs> ways. And the humor. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so just a little example, kind of real-world example of, of the, the pain of a lack of appreciation and the pleasure of appreciation, we're going to talk about that today. This is a series that we're starting today called The Seven Elephants. It's a family-strengthening series, really a relationship-strengthening series, and we're going to talk about the seven elephants in the room. You know what an elephant in the room is, right? This big, scary conversation that needs to happen. It's, it's defining your family, but we don't want to talk about it, so we don't. And the first of the seven elephants today is, I don't feel appreciated. All of us, at some point, feel this in our family. I don't feel appreciated. Uh, One of the simplest, clearest passages in all the Bible is 1 Thessalonians 5.11. It says, encourage one another and build each other up. So simple. And we're going to talk about the power of encouraging uh, one another and the power of affirmation and appreciation in the home today. So we're gonna show you a little um, bit of uh, of what can happen if we don't appreciate one another. Take a look.
2: On my wedding day, my father said to me, before you argue with your new wife, and you're gonna argue with her, before you do, take some time, step back, ask yourself two questions. Do you wanna be right or do you wanna be happy? (laughs) Right. And then he broke down and sobbed right in front of me. I had no idea what that man was talking about. 32 years later, I could tell you this, I'm a happy, happy, happy man. I ain't been right in 12 years now. Sometimes I even have to ask her, am I happy? Oh, you better believe you're happy. Okay. I was just checking with you, buttercup. Call my friends up, I can't go golfing, but I'm a happy, happy, happy man. And don't get me wrong, we argue. You've got to argue in your marriage. You don't argue in your marriage. It'll build up in your brain over time and fries your brain. Yeah, and then you wind up like those babbling, mumbling couples you've seen in Arizona, Florida. These 50 plus years of marriage, they're kind of walking down the street. The wife is fine. It's the poor husband eight feet behind her that scares me to death. This poor man's all hunched over. He's vibrating, mumbling. Always telling me what to do. they're telling you what to do I'm a man you can't tell I'm a man I'm a man this poor guy's starting to try to win back all the arguments he's been throwing away for 50 years you know he was 6'3 when he got married now he's 4 foot 1 look at the poor man weighed down by half a century of apathy leave a toilet seat up if I want to leave a toilet seat up tell me what to do I hope you sit in the water every night I don't care And that's when she turns around, what'd you just say to me? I didn't say nothing to you. (laughs) Scary.
1: You do not wanna end up like that. So we're gonna spare you of that today as we talk about what it means to appreciate each other at home because the elephant in the room is that we don't feel appreciated. We do not appreciate each other enough at home. That's certainly true of homes that are disastrous. It's also true of homes that are going just fine. For homes that are are largely healthy, we still don't appreciate each other enough. In fact, a recent study indicates that less than 10% of Americans feel the emotion of appreciation regularly. Appreciation is defined as an emotion, something we feel, the the gratitude uh, and the satisfaction we feel when we're grateful for someone or someone is grateful for us. Less than 10% of Americans feel that regularly. That's wild, that's a crisis, it's a crisis of appreciation. So why don't we appreciate each other at home? There's very simple reasons why we don't appreciate each other at home. The first one is an idiom. An idiom. It says this, familiarity breeds what? Contempt. Familiarity breeds contempt. And there's been a lot of discussion, is the word contempt too strong? Is it something else? But the reality is the, the familiarity of family causes us to devalue the things we used to appreciate and accentuate the things that annoy us. When we're more familiar and there's no relationship more familiar than in the walls of your house, this this marriage relationship, the relationship with kids, familiarity breeds contempt. And so we tend to discount the things that we once were attracted to and highlight the things that were just little annoyances at the time, but right now they're a big deal. And we might think, okay, familiarity breeds contempt. and, And well, maybe that's because we fail each other so much. Well, listen, Jesus experienced this and he didn't fail at all. So there's this reality that just the, the, the reality of being so familiar with one another causes us to be annoyed with each other. Jesus experienced this in his own home. This is Jesus, the perfect one, the son of God. That's what it says in Mark 6. Jesus told them, a prophet is honored everywhere except in his own hometown, among his relatives, and his own family. They kicked him out of the house. That's Jesus, certainly he did nothing wrong, but that familiarity breeds contempt. This is called negative familiarity. One psychologist put it this way, he says this, we begin to take each other for granted after the conquest of love has been achieved. This is the beginning of negative familiarity. So it goes like this, you might relate if you've been in a, a, a loving relationship. Um, when I met Jenny, she met me, we were attracted to each other and there were some things about her I loved, things about me she loved. And we are on this conquest together. We're on a conquest together. We decided to kind of into each other. We start dating, spend more time together. There's a conquest. And that conquest involves a finish line of rings, a marriage ceremony, and paperwork, right? That's the conquest. And so we spent, in our story, about a year and a half on that conquest. And when you're on that conquest, you are looking at the things that you like. And you're going, wow, she's so wonderful. He's so wonderful. And the little annoyances, oh, those aren't big deals. That's ah, not a big deal. That's not a big deal. You get married, and after a couple years of uh, the bliss fading away, it totally reverses. The things that were big attractions become small time, and the things that were small annoyances become big time. And that's the negative familiarity. It's real, and it's real for all of us. There is that familiarity breeds contempt phenomenon. Secondly, we're wired to see the negative. God gave all living things this instinct to see the negative because if we don't see the negative, if we don't see the threat, we won't survive. So we are wired to see the threat. Give a little example. If you're walking through the forest and you come across these berries, what are you going to do? You're walking in the forest, you look at these berries, what are you going to do? You going to eat them? <laughs> nope. Why wouldn't you eat them? It's a beautiful pink stem, luscious dark purple berries. They look so juicy. But you eat one of those things, you're probably gonna die by yourself in the forest, foaming at the mouth. So we're wired to see things as threats, even though they're, they're quite you know beautiful. We see things as threats. That's true in our own home. We love people in our home. We love our family, love our spouse, love our kids. But we still, deep in the recesses of our instinctual brain, we still see them as threats. My wife may stand in the way from me golfing with my buddies. That's a threat, right? My wife, my husband, whatever, might stand in the way of me getting what I want. We don't think this consciously, but it's back there in the recesses of our instinctual brain. Our kids might prevent us from doing what we wanna do. and There, there could be resentments there. Uh, my parents are getting in the way of me, you know, going out with my friends. We're each other's threats, even at home. We're wired to see the negative. There's another reason why we don't affirm each other at home, and that's because we want others to change. We want others to change. We all kind of keep a list. Again, it's not on the front of our minds, but it's back in our minds. We keep a list of how we want our spouse to change, how we want our kids to change. I guarantee you no one is 100% satisfied with exactly the way their spouse is and their kids are right at this very moment. There's always something that could be better. And because we want to see change in our family... We tend to take affirmation or lack of affirmation as a tool to motivate change. So, for example, if um, the toilet seat thing, if you are just dedicated to making sure that toilet seat's down every time, you're going you're gonna to bring devaluation every single time. You did it again. Are you paying attention? Don't you even care? I mean, we're going to just devalue, devalue, devalue because we want to see some change. And if we want to see some change, no matter how small or how big it is, not only are we going to devalue by criticism, but we're going to withhold affirmation. So let's take, for example, the, um, a husband may uh, faithfully, dutifully have the oil changed or change the oil, maintain the cars, no problem, all the time. You never have to worry about that, right? But um, that toilet seat just never gets down. There's no way I'm going to affirm him for taking care of the cars because he's got some toilet issues. So, again, it's not something that we are writing down and waking up one morning and saying, I am going to, how do I get that toilet seat down? Well, first, I'm going to do I'm going to criticize here in this schedule, and I'm not going to affirm here. It's not something we plan, but it's subconsciously what we do. All of us do this. We want others to change, and so we use either valuing or devaluing as a tool to motivate change. It's all dysfunctional, very dysfunctional, but we all do it. One uh, author, Laura Doyle, she was very... Um, Uh, Honest about this. She's also a psychologist, so she's trained to have the things that are in the subconscious brought to the forefront and and discussed. Here's what she says: I was afraid that if I thanked my husband for what he was doing, he would think he was doing enough and I didn't want to send the wrong message. (laughs) That's honesty. If I if I thank my husband or thank my wife or thank my kids for this, but I need them to change on that, I will not thank them for this. There's too much work to do over here on the that. We all do it. We all want others to change, so we withhold affirmation. We also are prone to compare how affirmed we are. We compare how appreciated we are. Now, 1 Corinthians 13 is uh, very, very clear that love keeps no records of wrong, but we keep records of wrong. We've gotta fight that. It's not a list we keep, back of the brain stuff. All this is back of the brain stuff. We keep records of wrong, and one of those is, if I don't feel affirmed by you, I am not gonna affirm you. Because if I affirm you, that's gonna make you think everything's fine, but you're not affirming me, so everything's not fine, so I'm not gonna be affirming you. It's just, this is natural human nature stuff. It's natural human relationship stuff. And it's broken, it's dysfunctional. And so it really, truly, literally takes a work of God to break those cycles. But we are always comparing how appreciated we are. Mel Schwartz wrote this about this phenomenon. We must pay close attention to the slide into devaluing one another. Because we're not appreciating each other, we don't appreciate each other. It's that circular slide, it's a cyclical thing. As soon as one feels devalued, they will react by devaluing the other. It's just the way it goes. It's kind of the anatomy of, a, of an argument, right? Something needs to change here. Your head to head, something needs to change. The way Jenny and I were, were doing it earlier. Something needs to change here, so there's a criticism. That criticism is a devaluation of this person. Well, that person is not going to stand for being devalued, and so he's going to devalue you, and then you devalue up, and then it goes up and up and up, and pretty soon you have a fight. It all begins with a culture of devaluation, a cyclical culture of devaluation. Breaking that cycle is tough. My family and I were walking uh, through Old Town uh, yesterday and came across this sign, which struck us as very odd. We had to take a picture. Hmm. How does the tortoise get lost? Does it run away? I mean, that (laughs) doesn't make a lot of sense. You know, the owner is like, it was just there a second ago, now it's halfway down Front Street. I mean, (laughs) it doesn't go that fast. How much time does a tortoise have to be neglected before it's halfway across the city, right? It's just, it's a slow moving thing. And uh, all of a sudden you realize, wait, I think the tortoise is gone. That must've taken a long time. Now, if that's your tortoise, I apologize. That was very rude and insensitive. And we will dispatch the leadership to look for your tortoise. Um, but it takes some time. It's a slow kind of a deal, right? So this, uh, this negative familiarity and this lack of affirmation over time drags cyclically a marriage and a family down. It becomes this negative, critical culture. Then all of a sudden we wake up and we realize the tortoise is missing. It took a while, but my marriage is missing. My marriage is gone. Where was that that marriage I I thought was going to be so awesome? Where is that thing? And, And you might come to that conclusion that my marriage is stale or my marriage is struggling. You might even say my marriage is in crisis. We're not just talking about marriage. We're talking about family. We're talking about every relationship really can be fueled by appreciation, appreciating each other. So the question today is how can we create a culture of appreciation at home? How can we create a culture of appreciation at home? And, and I'm telling you, today is the day hundreds of Rancho families will be transformed. Today's the day. You will point to this day. Mark it on your calendar. Because the power of affirmation is so real and so transformative. If we can just get on board with these, these last little points here, your family will begin to improve in ways you would never have imagined. All right? You you're going to be with me? That's a, that's a big sales pitch. It can happen. How do we create a culture of appreciation? Well, first, we have to know how much God appreciates us. We have to know how much God appreciates us. Now, if you were raised in in religious circles, this language may not be familiar to you. What do you mean God appreciates us? That's an eyebrow raiser. What are you talking about? We're typically raised with this religious paradigm that says God is holy and he is perfect and he is pure light. If we were even in his presence at all, we'd fry under his majesty. And listen, God is a, a mighty, perfect sovereign God for sure. But then we're taught we are the ones who are these lowly sinners. We have failed him over and over again, and his wrath, his fierce wrath is upon us, right? And, and, and we've got we've to turn from all of our failures and, and become obedient to him, and we've got to grow in him and do all that he expects, expects us to do. And when we do all that he expects us to do, then maybe we will earn his affirmation. That's the religious paradigm. It's so destructive. It's so terrible. But every person raised in a religious paradigm is raised under that burden. It's a burden of conditional appreciation. And it is so terrible, it's such a slavery. And so Rancho is is dedicated to freeing people from that slavery. And it creates a lot of conversation around here. Uh, Yesterday we had our men's uh, cornhole tournament, it was awesome, over 100 guys were there, it was amazing. A lot of guys there from uh, other churches. And uh, that's fine, and and they find their way to, to talk to me. And one of them in particular said, hey, let's talk about this grace thing. I heard one of your messages about a month ago, and I've got a lot of questions about this grace thing. Let me tell you, that is so common that people who are raised in church, in church for decades, have a conversation. Let's talk about this grace thing. You've been in church for decades, and we're just talking about this grace thing. It is so tragic, tragic, tragic that we don't know how much God appreciates us. We've raised people, raised kids to think they're under God's fierce, holy wrath, and they have to do better to be affirmed by God. It is a terrible, terrible slavery. If you ever wonder what God thinks of you, open your Bibles to Psalm 139. Psalm 139 is so beautiful. This is a song thanking God for how he sees us. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. How precious are your thoughts about me, O God. They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. You are with me always. Isn't that cool? That's a song thanking God about what he thinks about us. What does God think of us? Right as we are, right where we are, what does God think about us? God's thoughts are for us and towards us in an eternally positive way. I mean, the whole imagery of Psalm 139, it goes on later, that, that God is with us and his thoughts are for us when we lie down, when we rise up. So the imagery is of a father looking at his son or daughter while asleep. And the thoughts that pour from the heavenly father's mind are always for us and towards us and good. They outnumber the grains of sand on the earth. God just loves us and he affirms us as we are where we are. And a lot of us think, yeah, but I've got so, so much further to go in my walk and I have so much further to go in my, my decisions and so much further to go in faith. And, and we might think of, of how far we have to go. And a lot of us think, most of us think, God must be disappointed with me. Let God's word, Psalm 139, reverse that thought. He loves you and appreciates you as you are, where you are right now. He's a father, so he knows we have a ways to grow. He knows that, he's patient with that. Just as I hope you're patient with your children, um, I hope you don't think a child of yours, when born, is gonna be fully mature and not make any mistakes. <laughs> if that's the case, don't have children. <laughs> it's a work in progress. I'm still a work in progress. I'm darn near 50 years old, right? So, So we are all works in progress. The heavenly father knows that about you and he still appreciates you. The way you appreciate your son or daughter, where they are, as they are, knowing they've got a ways to go, that's how God appreciates and affirms you. Let yourself be loved. Let yourself be affirmed. Uh, This conversation happens around here all the time. You know, that Scott, this talk about grace isn't isn't meat. Really, yeah. this talk about grace isn't meat, you know, and I would just challenge that. We are, this whole world is in slavery, slavery to what they think God sees them as. They think God sees them as failures. They think God sees them as disappointments. They think God sees them as separated and, and they're not good enough. That creates a whole paradigm from which all of life is lived. And so we just raise kids in religious paradigms. It's all condemning, it's all condemning, it's all finger pointing, it's all behavior based. We just need to know how loved and affirmed we are by God, and he knows how far we have to go, and he'll get us there, and he'll get us there together. Know how loved you are. 1 Thessalonians 3.9 says this. This is very specifically and powerfully phrased. Follow this. How can we thank God enough for you in return for all the joy we have in the presence of our God? What does this say? If we understand the, the joy, what we call the enjoyment. We're always talking about enjoying God, enjoying our family, enjoying this life he gave us. If we can take pure joy in the presence of God, we will then be able to thank God for other people. If we are so confident that God loves us, so confident of his unconditional forgiveness, so confident that we are appreciated and affirmed by God, that'll give us the power to appreciate and affirm other people, particularly in our family. And, and listen to what the apostle is saying to a group of his friends, the family of faith. He's saying, I thank God for you. If that can pour out of our lips at home, I thank God for you. What an amazingly transformative reality that would be. Know God's appreciation for you. Then know that appreciation brings great pleasure in the home. There is nothing quite like the power of appreciation to elevate the pleasure of your home. Criticism, which happens all the time in some families, every day, all day, just little bites here and there, the way Jenny and I did, did little bites and it just devalues and degenerates and degrades the whole family. Uh, affirmation lifts that up, appreciation lifts that up. It brings so much pleasure to the home. Philemon 1.7, this is the Apostle Paul writing to a friend. A friend of his is about to make a terrible mistake. That's what the whole book is about. The whole book is a few verses. His friend's about to make a terrible mistake. And here's how Paul begins his letter. Your love, friend of mine, Philemon, has given me great joy and encouragement because you've refreshed the heart. That's pretty cool. The apostle here is showing an example of what it's like to affirm another person, to appreciate another person. And what Paul is doing here and writing to his friend Philemon is to say, hey, listen, um, I'm affirming you. You need to affirm this guy that you're about to go after. Paul is making it very clear if we learn the art of being appreciated by God, then appreciating other people by verbalizing, by saying, Your love has given me great joy and encouragement. Our relationship has given me great joy and encouragement. You've refreshed my heart. Imagine language like this pouring out in your house. Imagine a, a spouse to a spouse, husband to a wife, and a wife to a husband. You are, we may not say, you have refreshed my heart. That'd be a little weird. <laughs> but I don't know. Use your phrase. You've made my day today. Thank you for being my wife. Thank you for being my husband. I appreciate you for filling the blank. But the kids too, just pour out affirmation. Let that pour out affirmation. Know that affirmation brings so much pleasure to the home. There's been uh, several studies about the power of appreciation. Uh, Universities do all these studies and then universities study other university studies. So there was a study of 26 studies about appreciation. And all they did was this, one group for a few minutes a day Just wrote out what they appreciated about other people. That's all they did. A few minutes a day in a journal wrote how much they appreciated people in their lives. And then you follow them for years, and then it spills out in a bunch of tests and outcomes. You ready for the conclusion? Here's the conclusion. The appreciative group who just spent a couple minutes a day appreciating the people in their lives... The appreciative group reported significantly increased well-being, better health, they exercised more, they felt life was better, and they had increased optimism about life. The report goes on to, to express very detailed um, what they call, what they call uh, social, pro-social behavior. Pro-social behavior. These are people, because they learned the art of appreciating others, they have more pro-social behavior, meaning they contribute to the society around them in positive ways. They are moving the needle on improving all of society because they've learned the discipline of appreciating the people around them. Appreciative, um, not, uh, appreciating those in your house not only builds the pleasure in your house, but it also works to improve your home. To put it this way, appreciation works to change us all for the better, and I put a little caveat, a little asterisk, usually winky emoticon. <laughs> so what I'm gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna sort of promise you here that if you take the lead in being more appreciative in your house, appreciate your spouse, appreciate your kids, just pour out appreciation, if you do that, your home is gonna improve. You will change for the better. Asterisks usually. You can't control how other people respond to your appreciation, but you, I believe, will move the needle in your home by becoming more affirmative. By becoming more appreciative, your home life will get better. You will change together as a family. I'm going to give you a specific example here. Uh, it's, it's an example of a kid. Let's say a child is having uh, trouble in, in, a, in a, a subject. And, and they need to improve in their grades, they need to improve in their performance. There's four things you can do to help that child change. You can do the abusive thing, you must be stupid. I would not recommend that. Uh, some of you were raised in households that use that word and yelling and accusatory, horrible, this is horrible, this, this is abusive stuff. Uh, so if you're doing that now, quit it. If you were raised in this kind of environment, um, you know, there's some scars there. This is a, a demeaning house that did not have affirmation, uh, not good. Now, you might try to soften that. And so we might say, "No, you're not stupid. You're struggling in this grade, but you're not stupid. This is an attempt to soften it, but you're still using the word. There's still that uh, implicit thing here that what you're doing is actually looking stupid. But, you know, you're not stupid, right? It's, it's, a, it's a terrible thing, it's not quite as abusive as this, it's softened a little bit, but still the underlying thing is pretty bad, negative and, criti- and critical. We might think, okay, we're gonna get affirmative here and we'll say something like this. Hey, you did a great job on that paper, you're struggling in math, but, but that homework assignment was really good, you did well there, so what are we doing? We're saying, all right, uh, you can do it, that's now the new standard, you can perform to that standard, go and do it, you need to do it, perform. It's couched as positive, but there's really kind of an underlying jab in there. Here's what I would consider to be the greatest, most affirming way to bring real correction when there is a problem. Hey, buddy, sweetie, you're a smart kid. What's the key word? Let's do this. That is so affirming. It is nothing but affirming. Kids are wired different. Some kids are wired, you know, to just be a whiz at math. And some kids have to really, really struggle at that, right? Some people are wired for classrooms sitting in chairs learning. Other people are wired for more, you know, tactical stuff. Uh, so kids are wired differently. Every kid is genius somewhere at something with some wiring. Find that, affirm that, and say, let's do this together. Let's figure it out together. There's been seasons in our kids' lives where we're shoulder to shoulder doing homework, and we're struggling to find the way to put a concept to get them to get it. And when they get it, victory's high fives, and you see the grades move. In, in affirming environments, that's the kind of stuff that can happen. In critical environments, it just continues, this downward slide of devaluation. Nobody wins. Nobody wins. I'm going to close out with two phrases. These two phrases alone could radically change your family. Radically change your family. The first phrase, be slow to criticize. Slow to criticize. You can go home right now after church. You can go home right now, and you can find a dozen things to criticize your family about. Some of you are saying, the number's actually 41 things. (laughs) You can find things to criticize your family about. Most of them are gonna be small, right? If your eight-year-old is seriously, literally lighting a fire in your living room, that's the time to criticize. That's bring the criticism. But most of the things we criticize really don't need to be criticized in the moment. It just drags your house down in devaluation. Be slow to criticize. When you criticize, be careful about it. You can give good, constructive, careful criticism. My wife is actually a genius at this. If there's something that that needs to be addressed, she will wait for a good time. Uh, um, One of the tools in our household is we never ever bring up anything critical after 9 p.m. (laughs) Write that down. When we're tired, if somebody brings up a jab after 9 p.m., it's on like Donkey Kong. Most of you don't know what Donkey Kong is. So we don't do it. We just set a deal. We do not have any serious or critical conversations after 9 So She she finds the right moment, the right time. We're not too happy, we're not too grumpy. We're just at that sweet spot. She'll say, do you have time to talk about something, sweetie, whom I love with all my heart? Yeah, what do you wanna talk about? Well, (laughs) she just has this thing, right? It's an art. Uh, to truly address things that have to be addressed but without the the quick, biting criticism that can happen all the time. Be slow to criticize. I'll give you one more quick example. I was the guy, I hate to admit it, I was the guy, get home, clothes off, they go on the bed. And I thought I was doing everybody a favor because I didn't put them on the floor. (laughs) Clothes off, they go on the bed. And my thinking is, uh, number one, I might wear those jeans later, I may or may not, but I might wear the jeans later, so why not have them so conveniently right there where I just put them on where I took them off. It's super easy. Yeah, or if I'm not going to wear them later, I'll, I'll put them away later. And of course, <laughs> later never comes. So I was that guy. And in my own pragmatic brain, I'm thinking, okay, this is the bedroom. It's on my side of the bed, my side of the bed. It's a bedroom. We don't give tours through the bedroom. If you don't want like what's in there, shut the door. No big deal. I would never make the bed my entire life. It's just, it, there, it's a useless waste of time. My um, wife was raised with the bed has to be military style every single morning. That's how my wife was raised. So when i put in clothes on the bed, to her, it was just driving her crazy. P- please put your clothes up. Why do I have to put my clothes up? I'm not gonna wear those things, I, the whole thing. It just goes on and on and on. And it became this really dumb, childish criticism back and forth. I'm, she's criticizing me for how I'm disrespecting her, and I'm criticizing her for this nonsense about making the bedroom look like a magazine shoot every morning. <laughs> and it's this back and forth, We're devaluing each other. And that was right after we had twins, which ruined the, our whole lives. My, my wife, I, I don't remember the specific, you know, day, week, month, even year, but I do know at some point my wife decided that she was not going to uh, criticize me anymore for the clothes on the bed, and she was going to just put them away herself without saying a word. No passive aggressiveness, no judgment, no punishment. She just started putting my stuff away. The first couple of days, I'm like, what gremlin is messing with? I mean, it's just weird. Like, Twilight Zone, what, what's going on here? And then I suspected my wife, darn her, my wife is taking the high road and loving me as Christ and you know, putting stuff away. And I felt this big, I'm the pastor of a church and my wife is out loving and serving me. Surely, and I, I came to the conclusion she's doing this out of the goodness of her heart. How could she do that? So I was mad at me for being so childish. And from that moment on, when I realized what she was doing, I made the decision, I'm going to be better at this. And it was her serving me in that way, and I'm sure she didn't love serving me in that way, but she's like, I'm done with the fight, I'm just going to do it, and is it really that big a deal? This is what went through her mind. And I was transformed by that. And so now, I could tell you, I make every, uh, every effort to put my clothes away. I'm not batting a 1,000 here, but I'm doing better. Be slow to criticize, and finally, be quick to appreciate. And there's no magic here there's no there's nothing here that i can tell you other than just do it you've just got to get your face hole open and appreciative words to pour out of that face hole (laughs) you can do it now i know the first time is going to be awkward the first time is going to be terribly awkward because if appreciation doesn't just pour out of your lips in your home the first person to step up is going to be this weird moment. Everybody's going to freeze. Everybody's going to freeze. What's about to happen? Somebody's going to say something really weird here. You know, wife, I just want to thank you so much for who you are and all you do. And thank you. It's going be, if it's not porn, if it's not a culture, your home's going to be weird. So if you're the one who's gonna step up and lead in affirmation and appreciation, here's what I would suggest you do. I would suggest you bring everybody. Family, I'm about to do something awkward and weird. We don't do this very much, but kids, you need to know how much I value your mother. Here's what she does for us, and here's the thing, and that's it, just own the awkwardness, and that's it, and we thank her, thank you, Mom, and just own the whole thing. It could very well be that, you know, some of you here, you you might be an 11-year-old. Listen to me. You can lead your family. You can change your family tonight. 11-year-olds or thereabouts, listen to me. Tonight, after dinner, whoever made dinner, finish your plate, whoever made dinner. Mom, Dad, thank you so much for the meal tonight. It was very tasty, and I know you put in a lot of work for it. Thank you. What would (laughs) happen? What would happen in that house? Everybody just, Mom, Dad, (laughs) Dad. And thank you, sister, for sharing that meal with me. <laughs> Nobody does that, it doesn't happen. I mean, what would happen? The power of appreciation in your house, oh my gosh. Slow to criticize, quick to appreciate. Your family will elevate, it will elevate. Now, I wanna give this caveat to be crystal clear. Anybody who is suffering under abusive behavior, it's unacceptable. We're not talking about you know, enduring abusive behavior. We have all kinds of resources around here. We have got safe harbor counseling available for you. We've got pastoral counseling. We have partnerships with safe houses. I mean, we've got it all, right? We're not asking anybody to endure abusive behavior. What we're asking, if your family is is struggling a bit or thriving, we can all up our appreciation game. God loves us, appreciates us. He, He proved that by the cross of Jesus Christ. He showed us how much he loves us. He is all in. He's all in. He loves you so much, appreciates you so much. His thoughts are eternally towards you. And then he's simply giving us that invitation. Do the same to your spouse. Do the same to your kids. Kids, do the same with your parents. And let one person, just one person, take the lead and watch what God does. Let's pray. Our God and Father, we thank you for um, how much you appreciate us. Many of us won't even think in those terms. We just think about how much we have failed you and how much we have sinned against you and, and how much we don't do the right things all the time and how far we have to go. God, help us to know how much you value us, how much you appreciate us. Help us to know that you are like a heavenly father looking over a, a sleeping daughter or son and just pouring out positive thoughts. We are made in your image. As you say, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. We are intricately made inside and out. God, you are for us, never against us. We just take great peace and comfort knowing your love for us. We accept that and we embrace that. And God, give us the the courage to love people in our homes. Give us the courage to tell our spouse in word and in action how much we value them, how much we appreciate them, how thankful we are to you for them. Help us not to play the games that all of us play. Withholding appreciation and giving criticism to manipulate towards change, God, we want to get out of that business. We we want to to actually impact our family by by affirmation, positive encouragements, uh, so that we can grow together in a way that is affirming of one another. Uh, I pray for families in here that are struggling. I pray that this series would be life-giving, that it would give them hope, that there's hope ahead, there's a strong family ahead. I pray that if needed, they would reach out to get all the benefits that that they are offered here through pastoral counseling, safe harbor counseling. Um, For those people in crisis, absolute crisis, I pray that they would reach out for help. Uh, For those families that are are struggling and and even healthy, that this would be a good time for us to, to step up and take the lead and to bring affirmation and appreciation to our home, that we would see the pleasure of that home rise as we change together for the good, to love one another the way you love us. In Christ's name we pray, amen.